Let me introduce Carissa to you first. Um, she's a professional singer based out of here in San Diego with killer chops. This woman <laughs> can sing. Um, and not only is she a very successful working singer, she's an amazing vocal coach as well. Um, her mission in vocal coaching is creating happier, healthier, and more intimately connected world through the human voice. And I think that's amazing. She is putting out some incredibly powerful stuff out there for vocalists in the form of um, some courses and coaching programs. Um, so we will talk a lot about that tonight. Um, but Carissa, what? tell us what's up, what you've been doing and um, what's happening. Ah, hi, it's so good to be here. Uh, I have been busy, you know, I think I'm a little bit of a worker bee. I've always been that way. So um, pandemic life actually felt a lot like a springboard for me. It felt like I got all this space that I'd been needing by giving away a lot of my time to part-time jobs and um, running around town and traffic and Starbucks and the life that we were all really ingrained into. Um, it was definitely an adjustment for me and I certainly never want to make light of the people who have had a lot of hardship. I know that that's real and happening. Uh, my experience of this past few months has been pretty positive. Um, other than, I mean, there's a lot of grief and a lot of shock that like that we all went through. So I went through that as well, but I also felt like so blessed and that's not it's like a word I don't even use really but blessed mm -hmm. to have some blank space because I'm a busy yeah. person and and it makes me realize how busy I had become I wasn't getting anything done so mm -hmm. in the course of this two months I've been able to really shift around a lot of the ways that I do business a lot of the ways that I show up uh, for myself and the way I'm taking care of myself and like treating myself um, and my body and I've been able to gain a lot of clarity. So for me, my personal experience of the pandemic, you know, has been, it's been good, which is, is scary to say right now. We don't feel safe uh, necessarily, especially today, right now, like in this very moment, not just yeah. like right now, like 2020, like, I mean, right this moment. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to celebrate wins when so many of there's so many circumstantial things happening in the world that is, that are so heavy, so difficult, so wrong, so mm -hmm. undeniably wrong, you know? And so it, it does, I think there's a level of guilt for people right now that are having financial success, that are having personal success, that are having freedom because not all of us get that in this life. And, and, it was set up that way <laughs> for some people. So it's, um, you know, it's a scary place to, to be able to say I'm doing well, but mm -hmm. like yesterday I wasn't doing well yesterday. I took the news in and it, and it broke my heart and it broke my, I couldn't do anything, but I have come to a place now in my life where I'm starting to really understand where boundaries are so important. I'm, I'm like, I think boundaries are the sexiest thing ever right now. I'm so obsessed <laughs> because I, I am somebody that feels the world really deeply. I think many singers are, I think many musicians are because we are creative beings. We're tapped into that source energy. Often we um, feel we're empathic people. We, uh, we can read the crowd, we can respond and we get other people's energy and we produce it with others. We're dependent on others with our bands and our, you know, the symbiosis. We're very tapped in people, in my opinion, mm -hmm. and singers especially, because it's such a bodily instrument. It's you. It's like such an expression. So I'm learning that, like, in order to be part of the solution of something that I can't tackle by like, I couldn't possibly, I think that's what's so heavy about this is we think, how can I help? And you can't, but you can, but it feels so far from like, you want to be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just say, okay, I'm going to make this tiny change that 20 years from now is going to create this giant ripple. It feels overwhelming. It's so big. So for me, I get overwhelmed easily. I take on the weight of the world easily. 
And I've learned that in order to be in the solution zone, in the, in the place where I can be positive, where I can hold space for others, where I can be creative about what can we do to change this? What can we do to be good neighbors, basically, you know, I can't do that from a state of totally ripped in half depression. And that's what, when I scroll Facebook all day, when I let myself get into too much of that narrative, it consumes me. So I've become really ruthlessly intentional with my time and my consumption and my friend, everything. Like I, I have strict boundaries and they feel great. They feel great. And, and that's the only way I'm able to sit here right now and have this conversation in a place of calm, collected energy is that I took the time to grieve some things yesterday. I took, I said, I need, I need space. I was not well. And I allowed that. I just sat and was not okay for the whole day. And that's okay to be not okay. We're in a culture where we want to slap a bandaid on everything. And that's part of the work I feel called to do here is to help people understand that like the processes of grief and of letting go and healing are, are ongoing and they happen at the personal level first. So we can't heal systematic oppression without first healing what's here. Yeah. That's me. Oh so gosh. <laughs> I, I appreciate that perspective so, so much. Um, in fact, uh, yesterday or the day before I had posted um, something on Facebook just asking what is the best thing that has come of this um, so far for you? Not because I'm trying to sugarcoat this or paint this situation as something other than what it is. I mean, it's it's um, traumatizing to a lot of people. Um, but I, I spoke with Rebecca Jade the other day and she, she said something that just hit me so hard. She said, um, you know, wouldn't it be a shame if we came out of this um, unchanged or, uh, you know, for the not for the better. And and it would be a terrible, terrible shame if we didn't. Um, so I appreciate that you, you know, you are taking that perspective on it and taking the time and making the most of it and doing what you can do. And I think from a broader sense of things with everything going on in the world, in a way, in a way, I'm glad that I'm not glad that any of this has happened, but that we're in the particular space that we are because we're not so distracted by so much that we can um, easily sweep things under the rug or not pay attention to them. So, um, yeah, this no. is a reckoning. This is a reckoning. It's um, it's a big wake up call, and and I think I felt sort of called toward a shift like this before all this mm -hmm. happened. And of course, none of us could have predicted this, but I've had this sense for a couple of years, definitely the last year, as I've shifted the kind of work that I do and, and why um, it's been in relation to this feeling that like, we can't sustain this life that we had been running in. So there's a big paradigm shift underway um, and a lot of people are going through an incredibly rude awakening right now. All of us are, but I think some are feeling it more than others. I was, I feel like I've done a lot of work leading up to this that gave me some tools that have helped me stay pretty grounded throughout the course of this. I, I have also a lot of luck and circumstance and that's nothing I can control. I can be grateful. And I think one of the things that you mentioned that's interesting is that um, you were like, hesitant to say I'm glad this happened <laughs> because that's like that that can be read as insensitive right but mm -hmm. I I really believe we're living in a yes and time right yes this can be horrible and you can be grateful for the light that's been shown on on life and on our ways right we can yes we can be um in a state of shock and grief and disappointment about the reality of the world and have hope for the world and be grateful for the, like I say, the experience of realizing of awakening, like we're going through a national awakening and it's, it's causing great rifts, right? So there's people, everyone's clinging very dearly to what they believe is true right now. And, and if you look around, no one's right. So it's, um, I think there's a lot of 
discomfort happening right now beyond the the physical discomfort of illness and beyond the um social discomfort discomfort of what we're witnessing in the news yeah it's an insanely uncomfortable time that's you know but i think though those are the feelings that compel us to change and go in the direction you know when we can't stand it any longer we change you know we we are left without any choice then to do that yeah, that brought tears to my eyes. That's, yeah. that's so true. It's so true. And that is, that is, it's a, it's a change. And from my standpoint, you know, it starts at home. It starts inside because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us don't, like you said, there's not an opportunity to sweep things under the rug right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us want to help the outside world, but we're ignoring all of the battles that we are going through every single day in our mind, in our heart, in our, the, the, the longing, the grasping, the addictions that people are in day to day. And I don't just mean like drugs. I mean, Facebook, I mean, people pleasing. I mean, the addictions we have as a culture. So um, yeah, this is a heavy time. It's totally messed up and it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. And, you know, I think that's part of this process is like, Americans don't really feel our feelings. We like to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. That's one that we use a lot. We dust it, dust it off, brush it off, get back up, keep fighting. Like that's our culture. And, and that's true grit. We have it, but mm-hmm. it's stopped working at some point. Like there's, you can only carry that so far. And actually the way I'm gesturing just reminded me of like singing stuff. It's like, you can only take your chest voice so high mm-hmm. before you hit this wall and it falls apart and you have to like learn to like connect these two pieces of you that are invisible and that don't like talking to each other. And they all of a sudden need to come together and integrate and make this new sound. And I feel very much like as a culture, that's where we're at. We're like trying to shove this chest voice of old ways up into a new space. And it's funny. It's like, if I'm going to go real far in this analogy, it's even in the, like the chakra zone, right? Like we're kind of moving up into a more spiritually aligned and connected with one another space where we're starting to realize that everyone's actions, they affect each other. We're all so intertwined and we've been ignoring that we've been, we've been pretending that we're other than and Mm -hmm. against for so long. So it's like, we're trying to take all this root tribal survival energy and shove it up here in this connected space. And it's, there's a disconnect and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. We're at the, we're at the great Passaggio. (laughs) (laughs) Singer nerds. I hope you guys are watching. (laughs) Speaking of singer nerds, I know that before all of this, um, you you had a lot in the works before this going on. You had launched um, The Bold Vocalist and um, you had courses, you know, on the horizon that you were launching. Um, what, uh, what do you have going on right now with that and how has um, our circumstances changed the way you're approaching that now yeah well one of the things i'm starting to learn about life through the very hard lessons is you need to learn to roll with the punches (laughs) because um from the uh one of my favorite meditation teachers says um you have to become the ocean instead of fighting the waves right Mm -hmm. so if you're getting hit with waves of grief anxiety stress unbelonging unworthiness, the things that is such a a deep and rich part of the human experience when, when we're really fighting that, if you stand up in that, that wake, you just get beaten to death, right? Not not just beaten and bashed around and, and you're exhausted. It's so hard. But if you became one with the ocean, if you lay on your back and you float, you all of a sudden you drift, right? And you move and you like become this fluid thing. So I think this has been a lesson for me in that, in that like, um, even the thing that I thought I wanted to do when this happened, I was like, okay, I'm going to teach people what I've learned about staying grounded, about meditation, mm-hmm. about, um, different herbs and oils and crystals and like all these tools that I love to play with that like help me stay centered and connect with myself. And I thought that's what I was going to share through the course of this. And as it was going, it was like, no, this isn't feeling right. It's not resonating. I, and I think you just have to give yourself permission to just 
change. Like on the drop of a hat, we get super attached to our ideas and they're the right thing and they're perfect. And like, we put everything in these little boxes. And um, so what I've done in this time, one was I really went into my own education a lot. I've been a lifelong learner. I love learning. Um, and when I've noticed, as I look back on my life, the moments in time when I'm not really engaged in learning, I become pretty restless and unhappy. So like the handful of years following college, um, felt kind of lost and not sure what to do. I, I really need structure. I'm learning. I didn't mm -hmm. think of this as a kid. I thought structure, ew, but I'm a super mm -hmm. creative person. So when I get structure, I actually thrive because then it's like all all bets are off when there's a framework. So I've, um, this, I did a few things. I, one, I invested in a course called, um, oh, I think it was very, very clear and to the point it was like 30 day course builder bootcamp. <laughs> so I went through a bootcamp that was four weeks long and it teaches you how to build an online course. Mm -hmm. So I've wanted to do this since the beginning of my business, but I started focusing first on getting one-to-one -one clients in the door and like kind of establishing that I know what I'm talking about and building a presence. So I had been kind of putting this course idea off and then this, this course just kind of fell in my lap. It was like four weeks, you'll have a course done and you'll have it pre-sold. Like, so that's what I did. And in four weeks, it actually took me five or five and a half because I lost a little momentum when it came to selling same reason, it felt really icky to sell to singers when we're not able to work as singers. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to do some work around that and get clear on who I'm talking to and why. It's the why is really important because I don't really just want to take your money. I have no, right. I really want to change your life. Like I want a deep, some sort of deep transfer transformation on a personal level to happen because that that ripples out to my mission. Like I want to fight systematic oppression by empowering individuals at the vocal level. Yeah. So it's a small seed that hopefully grows into a big thing. But um, yeah, so I kind of got hung up at the four week mark when I should have started selling it because sales are scary. And, and honestly, if you're a singer, if you're an artist, you're in sales all the time. Every time you post a gig flyer, every time you ask somebody to go listen to your Spotify, you're pitching a sale. So marketing is something that I was never taught as a singer. And I think that's a failure on the part of my education. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to do it. And do you know, have you ever seen, um, I tangent all the time, just heads up. Um, <laughs> you notice when you look through musician scrolls that it's like, I'm so excited to, I'm so excited to, I'm, I'm so excited to play at Kilowatt Brewing. I'm so excited to welcome so-and-so into the studio. I'm so excited to whatever. It's like every pitch. This is what it is. It's a pitch. When you're talking about your career and you want your audience to engage with it, you're pitching them something. And if you look around every artist right now, the landscape looks a little different, but if we're like going back a little bit when we're in gig culture, it's mm -hmm. like, I'm so excited to, and it's like, let's break, let's break that. Let's get out of that. And like, yeah. tell me something I'm interested in. Tell me why I want to go to that show. What am I going to experience? What about your art, Danielle, makes me excited and makes me feel something that connects me to you or to myself or to my soul or my past or my future. Like those are the things. So I feel like singers have been missing some of this marketing stuff. <sighs> Tangent. So I went through four week boot camp, had a little meltdown, got over it, sold it out, which was only a small thing. I made a small goal because we don't want like giant overwhelming things between us and our dreams. You'll never get there and you'll feel like crap so small goal six people i opened it at a discounted rate sold it out and now we are in week two of that and watching them go through it is like it's so fun yeah. they're like they're crushing it you know and and they each come with their own set of fears and anxieties about the same stuff that we see in everyday life just being heard being seen thinking they're worthy, thinking they're good enough, thinking that they'll stand out for some reason from the crowd, because why would anyone notice me? Um, so, so it's a live streaming course that I created, but it's really like this awesome, like get clear on who you are as an artist and get confident to like show up as that artist over and over. So that's called Living Room Rockstar. I'm in week two. 
So the first half of pandemic, I learned how to do that. And then the second half, I'm literally creating the course alongside of my clients. So um, I'll have week three content due on Monday. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And who, what's, what singer belongs in this course for you? What, um, how would you describe them? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I feel like a lot of the singers I work with are like kind of on a precipice. They're um, either between like, a lot of them are already at a pro level where they, they would have been playing gigs or like open mics or coffee shops where they're actually out and performing already a little bit. But um, one is the technology aspect is like um, going live, just like we just talked about it when we're sitting here trying to figure out Zoom to Facebook. There's a ton of little functions and there's words that you don't know, like 1080p. What the heck is that? I don't, I still don't really know what that is. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so there's all these like stream key and code and OBS and there's these words. And especially if you're not of a generation that grew up doing stuff in the tech space, like this can be a big hurdle. So I'd say the people who are right for this program are kind of either not sure how to go live, although that it's pretty easy, but like it doesn't necessarily seem easy from the outside if you're like, especially everybody's got bells and whistles happening now. So it's for like the people who need a little support in actually doing it. It also has a private container where you like go live and practice. So you kind of get over that, like, you know, that thing when you're like looking at your phone and you're all like, whoa, oh shit, I'm live. Oh, sorry, I used that word. <laughs> it's okay. I'm bad like that. I always cuss. I try not to so hard. All right. So, um, and then I think a lot of what I'm seeing, the commonality, and really I think who I'm speaking to in my brand overall is just people lacking confidence because it's not that hard to hit the live button on your phone and stick it between two coffee mugs and film yourself but it's so hard yeah. to do that because because it's forever there's not a live audience like they're not clapping you can't like interact you can't see people's eyes or feel their vibes or see them smile when you're done there's a lot of factors and then of course you got to see and hear yourself back and most people you've probably experienced this do not like the sound of their voice when they hear it on a recording. And I'm one of those people too, that I cringe a little bit when I see myself back on video. So this has been a challenge for me too, to start really just getting comfortable in my own skin and saying like, Hey, this is what I look like. If I can't look at me on video, I can't look at me from an outsider's perspective mm -hmm. and like what I see. So there needs to be some peace made there in order to, to really be powerful you can't be like, oh, I don't like how I sound. I don't like how I look. It's like, well, that's how you sound and that's how you look. So you can either get get okay with it or you can avoid being seen and heard. And I think that's where like 80% of our culture spends their time. Yeah. You know what I love so much about that course too? Um, and I, th I think this goes hand in hand in a lot of coaching situations is that um, you can have really, really great singers who are on a really great career path, but a course like this, in a way, it gives them permission to do something that they want to do, even though we shouldn't need permission to do anything creatively that we want to, but it, it opens up that, um, fear in us and kind of helps us, you know, over the hump, especially, you know, when you have the guidance of somebody like you and in a, in a group dynamic, um, just yeah, the support they give each other has been really inspiring. I, I knew that that would be a part of this, but like watching it actually, the friendships develop and the um, the network kind of develop is really cool. It's it's fun to see them cheer each other on. And and again, I just went through a boot camp right before I created this to learn how to create this. And I had that same thing. I had people cheering me on in the comments and I had the coaches I was working with coming in and um giving me feedback on my stuff and, and being like, Hey, just do it, get out there and do it. It's not going to hurt you. You're going to be okay. Like, because we don't know that we're going to be okay. And especially anyone who's had severe trauma in their past, or even maybe mild trauma, we don't always trust that we're going to be okay. And that's, I think a lot of, a lot of what stops people is like, it's not just knowing that they could be rejected because mm -hmm. that's always a possibility. You could get rejected. You, we could have, you could have rejected me when I was like, Hey, let's, let's do this call or vice versa. Like we can, anytime you ask a thing, you can get rejected. Anytime you do anything, there's a possibility of it like going not great. But, um, 
it's like, how do you think that you'll be able to handle the rejection, right? So it's not just like, I will get rejected. It's that I can't handle being rejected. It's that it's going to hurt too much. I can't stand that. I couldn't stand the rejection, right? It's not, it's the pain that comes from it that we're afraid of, not the physical rejection itself, you know? So I think we need permission to do a lot in our culture and women, especially, we are definitely like, we just started handling our own money like 40 years ago. So there's a lot of like, is this okay? Can I do this? Uh, Yeah, it's, it's so incredibly true. And I, I I feel like, um, I've always found throughout my life, um, in vocal training just for myself, um, that it is, it's, it's so much more than just the, um, technical, working on your voice thing. And I think a lot of us that are in this space, um, you know, teaching and coaching when everything like this hit and the reality of um, live gigs being uncertain when any of that's going back into place, especially with people who are, you know, in the theater um, and spaces like that, you know, we wonder, well, what am I coaching them into? if they're not going to be able to go out and perform soon. But the reality is when you're in this sort of training, it's so much more than the vocalizing and the scales and, um, you know, resonance and all of that stuff. You're, you're, it's self-discovery, it's musicianship, it's, um, technology, being innovative, being creative about how you can perform, you know, what is live streaming? Am I allowed to do that? Can I get on in live stream too? And, you know, will anybody watch me and will I die if, um, if somebody says something rude to me in the comments, you know, Mm -hmm. these are the things that, you know, we can learn together in these spaces. And I think it's incredible that you're doing it. It's been fun. It was, it was scary. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's weird to market something in this political climate and in the, in the economy and all those things. But um, I think what I always return to and what's being reinforced for me right now, watching people go through it is that this is actually a mission-based business and a mission-based product. Mm -hmm. So I'm selling, how do I live stream? Can I do that? What is it? But what I'm really doing is like, I'm asking people to go back and look inside, like I'm having them look inside so deeply and they're about to get it. They're going into week three. They don't know what even is coming. (laughs) Week three, we're going through the whole chakra system. We're doing like lots of journaling. There's like this um, right now. (laughs) I know. No, they know me by now. I'm totally out there and woo. They know, but um, just uh, I don't know. Sorry. I get very excited and then the words fly. So Yeah, I needed to create a space to coach them into because Mm -hmm. there isn't any right now. But what a shame for singers and musicians to stop all their work right now because we're all going through something. We need the art. We need it. Like we need your voice so desperately right now and down the road. And for and like that's another reason when we considered canceling this talk today and if it were if I was in the headspace I was yesterday, it would have been a no brainer. Like no way because I'm not going to come on from that space but today i have this perspective of like what you and i are doing is more important than ever it's so important to empower people to feel safe in their voice because until everyone gets a voice the people who have them need to be able to use them for for good and to feel safe and and empowered to do that so um it's it's incredibly important for artists to be creating to be vocal right now like we need to be vocal and i don't I don't get into politics. I, I, I legit avoid them on my page. I don't follow them. I don't post about them. I don't talk about them. Um, I don't think the, the police brutality doesn't fall into politics for me. That's a, that's a news issue. That's, that's not made up. It's not fake news. It's not, it's not divided by people's opinions that that's an actual um, tragedy and, and we need to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um we do need to look at it. And I think that my, the way I see myself fitting into it is helping people take a stand and use their voice and speak out and speak up. And I definitely, 
as I move forward, will branch out beyond the singers. I think singers have an awesome platform because people listen when you sing, right? If you're just talking, like if you went into a crowded room and you're just like, hey, hi, hey, and then all of a sudden you're like, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and you like busted out that, just say you just in the middle of a room, just saying the crap out of respect <laughs> at the top of your lungs, what would happen? People would pay attention. Yeah, the whole room would be like, Okay. Like, it's like this thing. So singers, I think we have a particularly powerful voice and not just because we've learned how to actually use the vocal mechanism in a powerful way, meaning we're combining aerodynamics and acoustic science Mm -hmm. to create a powerful sound, but also because people listen when people sing, especially when they sing well, they stop and they listen. So, so artists can lead the charge here. And, and it, they can't if they're too afraid of what people think. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I, I would be so remiss if I didn't mention um, Steph Johnson and her uh, <gasps> choir right now. Is that? Talk, about, talk about using your voice and being a change maker, changing this world and um, recognizing that your voice matters. And and you can do, you know, incredible things, um, you know, no matter what your circumstances are. Yeah. Wow. Right. And, you know, I was so, I'm so, so happy to see them getting the national spotlight here because I, did you read, they made like $22,000 or something in the course of a weekend. They have amplified their social media presence throughout the nation. So there's a real, um, and the homeless issue in San Diego is obviously an issue and, and in Southern California, and I think in a lot of places, but, um, so having a spotlight on that is something that I think will make bring more change than any of the red tape in politics and government bureaucracy has been able to achieve so far. And I think it also shines a light on something that rings so very true to me right now that we've been approaching rehabilitating or like we approach everything backwards. We're doing, we're shoving that chest voice up into the head register instead of finding a cool reinforced head voice, right? It's like, we, our systems do everything backwards. This is me getting political for one second. The healing that occurs when you sing comes at a basal cell level. So you, um, the vagus nerve runs from the base of your nerve, your brainstem, all the way down into your gut. So there's, um, they're called interoceptive capabilities when your brain and your gut talk fast to each other. And there's this clean connection between them, which is intuition. It's split second decision-making. It's the people on wall street who make million dollar deals in the drop of a hat because they said, well, it just felt right. Or it didn't feel right. This is gut feeling. And it's, a connection between your vagus, your vagus nerve is this awesome transportation system through your brain and your gut. And it runs directly through the vocal mechanism. In fact, it is, it is the vocal mechanism. It's not like it runs through it. The vagal nerve makes up some of the tissue of the TA muscle, which is, um, if I'm not getting that backwards, but I'm pretty sure it is like the laryngeal muscles are controlled with the vagus nerve. Mm -hmm. So when we start to take these deep breaths for singing, and when we start to vibrate the vocal cords, we are actually stimulating and creating vagal nerve tone. So vagal nerve tone um, gives us a tool that when crisis strikes, hello, we're here. (laughs) When crisis strikes, the vagus nerve, if it's got strong nerve tone is, um, very capable of keeping you calm and cognizant in the face of crisis. So um, by singing, you are literally reversing all the fight or flight or freeze mechanism. We can't flight right now. We can only fight or freeze, right? So we're like constantly gearing up for this battle. And when we sing, we undo that by the deep breath and by the vibration of the vocal mechanism. So we're increasing our intuition. We're becoming calm. We are coming out of a state of panic. We're lowering our blood pressure, lowering our heart rate, lowering um, just all the stuff that will kill you eventually. (laughs) Inflammation in the body. It's all quelled when you sing. So imagine you know, a world like that Steph Johnson's created. One of the really impressive stats before any of the Americas Got Talent stuff, I want to say there's like close to 40 people that are now sheltered from passing through that choir. Mm-hmm. So she gave 
I, I, I'm guessing, I think it's about 40. I could be wrong on the number, but like a significant amount of people who were homeless are not homeless anymore. And part of that is feeling worthy, belonging, when we feel like we belong to someone, something, a community. Um, it's partly being cared for. Like I know she's giving a hot meal once a week at this practice. And there's like this nurturing of people who have probably felt very disconnected and very uncared for, for a long time. And, um, she's creating healing in them through the vocal mechanism. And that's really empowering. So now we have 40 beautiful souls, approximately give or take, (laughs) um, who were unsheltered and who are now living, you know, this life that we think we can achieve through jail or halfway houses or homeless shelters or bureaucracy. But really what you do is you just make people feel more and more frustrated and part of the system. And I don't really know all that much about this, but that's my guess is if I were put through a system like that, that it would be very dehumanizing and vocalization is the most human, human capacity that we have. Yeah. Oh God. I could not agree with you more. I, I, I just, my greatest hope is that after, um, them having this spotlight that it'll just duplicate, you know, as far and wide as it can. And, and also, you know, spark, spark other ideas, you know, for people to get involved that way. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that's, what's so cool. I love thinking what you're talking about, the ripple effect. I love zooming out. This is like my obsession right now is thinking about what, your choices lead to. And I think we're very boxed up. We've been in this like me, me, me. And it's a paradox because really to, in order to fix this, we have to go further into me, 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 right? So we start with the ego me, Mm -hmm. and then we get to the spirit me. And when we can get to that true self potential, when we can recognize that we innately belong, that we have purpose no matter what, and that our struggles are here to teach us and to, to, to strengthen us. And, and that's allowed to be crappy, by the way, you don't have to like that, that that's how it works. I don't, I don't, I wish I could erase some of the struggles I've been through, but it's brought me to a place of understanding that, that when you have a call to do something to follow it, because you don't know where it's going to lead, like Steph, who knows, how Steph and I think Nina, there's a handful of core people that started that group. And I think it's been three or four years at least. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm sure they had an idea of where this would go. Like we all have this, like, okay, we're going to do this, but like by allowing it to unfold this far, like, look at how big, and you're, like you said, maybe there will be chapters that'll open up in other cities. Maybe there will be new programs being implemented into prisons and schools and rehab facilities that is implementing music into their rehab rehabilitation we're not rehabilitating people we're just we're just patching them up and sending them on their way yeah so I love it I love that I love it and I think it speaks a lot to what we've lost having music in schools I think Mm. that this was um foundationally something that as human beings, we needed, and it meant something to the way our society operated. And now that we have very, very little of that, um, you know, we're we're really missing something as a as a culture and human race. And I think the more and more, like you said, that we bring that in, um, it is it's going to reform a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I would love to see that. I mean, we see it in, that's the, this is, it brings up the same problem that we started talking about in this conversation, which is what's prevalent in the news right now, Mm -hmm. which is that it's starting to happen. There's all these great little schools where they have gardening at recess and they learn how to create, like plant their own food and they, you know, are being really creative and, but they're not accessible. These kinds of programs that are being tested out, healthy food in schools. Hey, guess what? If you don't feed your kids sugar and like crappy processed food all day, every day, their attention span gets better. You know, from your personal life, we all know, like if you've been running around and eating junk and not taking care of yourself, you feel not great. And then as soon as you turn it around and I'm not talking about dieting versus like not dieting, I'm talking about like you just start eating more like a human being is meant to eat, right? right? 
you just feel better, right? You feel lighter, you have more energy, you sleep better. There's like, there's a freaking ecosystem that is your body. And we've been trying to power through it for so long and ignore that, that we are a system, that we are a machine and that that machine is like being driven by this awesome network of other machines and that, that we're in a web and like every choice from what you feed yourself or your child to how you react to the news and what you post on your social media, these things all are intertangled, right? So there's no undoing it. And we've been in this, like, it's just about me mm-hmm. for so long. I know. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad we talked about that because it does, it shines a light on the fact that, you know, dis- despite the c- discomfort we're all feeling, there there is, there are still great, great things going on out there. And just to, you know, reassure people's hearts and minds, um, there's good work being done. You know, we don't always see it every day in the news, but there's good work being done out there. So yeah, makes me feel a little bit better. The news <laughs> is not your friend, y'all. No. The news <laughs> is not your friend. You're, the news is like asking, it's like asking for a bag of Funyuns in a depressive couch state for the next week because it's so sad it's so sad and it's real but like it's not the news we are this is not back in the walter cronkite days there's no integrity (laughs) i don't know what's real and it's all scary and it's all depressing so it's like short of burying my head in the sand Mm -hmm. i want to be aware right i'm I'm not trying to pretend nothing's wrong or nothing's happening but i also like we talked about it earlier is just i'm so I'm becoming ruthless on what I let in because mm-hmm. the more also I find if you are someone that's on a little bit of a healing or spiritual journey, if you are someone who's exploring your past and patching it all up and putting it into something that makes sense, the more of that stuff that you clear away, the more blank canvas there is in the psyche. And so if you're, if you're doing all of this healing work and um, getting really clear on yourself and your vision and your goals and your your voice and then you're like immediately jumping onto the phone and you're consuming all of this mass media and not curating any of what you're seeing then you're just basically painting your canvas back with this noise and I think that's what you referred to earlier about going forward what a shame would it be if we didn't have some kind of a shift coming out of this yeah. I have anxiety about the world opening again because of that. I, I, I really watching people party, watching people just pretend like nothing's ever happened. It's very disheartening to watch. It's like, it's scary it and we make our own choices. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, oh my gosh, totally, totally agree. Um, for just one second, I wanted to give a shout out to those that have joined us on yeah, I can't see anybody. Who's here? Sandra was out there. Hi, Sandra. Yeah, Karen Bradley and Sport Thompson. Love Sport Thompson. He is one of the greatest sound technicians I've ever met in my life, and he's a wonderful human being. And we have Mark Fulton out there. Hi, he's Mark. My brother from the Mighty Untouchables. I know. So what's the Mighty Untouchables thing? Can I ask you a little bit about that? Because that is a very busy band. It's a very um, in-demand band. So how have you guys handled all of your stuff going forward? Well, you know, I think we were moving at such a fast pace, you know, which which was great. I think we all kind of thrive in that um, in that hustle mode. But at the same time we all have families you know we've got we've got newborns in the mighty untouchables family um and i think um that kind of a schedule can be really brutal on you know families and so i think on the good side of things um everybody's laid pretty low and and they're spending a ton of time with their families I, i know you know that's what i'm doing um aside from you know um coaching and everything we're we're meeting weekly and just talking about ideas and things that we'd like to create together um thankfully before all this hit we had been in the studio uh recording so all this time we've had a lot of um you know editing going on um with video and it's it's trickled 
the final project products have trickled to us um, amidst all this. So we've had that to look forward to and get excited about and, you know, put out there. And um, we have something brand new that's coming out. Uh, we were going to put it out on June 1st, but we're going to hold off for just a minute, um, you know, until until we're ready, you know, for the vibe yeah. that, you know, yeah. that we want to put out there. But, um, you know, other than that, I think we're just we're brainstorming a lot about, um, you know, how we're going to move forward and how what the industry is going to look like. Uh, and it's, um, you know, like everybody else, there's lots and lots of question marks. Over yeah, I was going to say, it's a big question mark. That's what it feels like, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. yeah, this is definitely, it's, uh, it's so crazy. Um, this next weekend is supposed to be when Josh and I were supposed to get married back in Missouri. <laughs> so we've moved our date to September, but like, that's still like kind of, I don't know what's going to happen by September. We can't really say, but yeah, one of the big components of our wedding was involving a lot of our musician friends. They had actually created a tour from San Diego all the way out to Missouri. And then I think they were going to loop back through Nashville and come back. So they were supposed to leave last weekend. Um, and Josh and I were supposed to leave, you know, in the next couple of days to go <laughs> get married. And so that's been a major disappointment for me. And I've definitely needed to go through mourning that. I'm not sure that I even have, I think this week, this next weekend, when the actual date comes and goes, I, mm -hmm. I imagine it's also happening on a full moon in Sagittarius and Sagittarius. So there's going to be a lot of emotions happening probably. And I'm just going to prepare for that. And that's one of the things, the lessons I think we can take take away from this as a culture is that it's okay to be upset and okay to be not okay and and not to try yeah. and just brush everything aside and to sit sit and take time with it and acknowledge what we're feeling because really and that's been my my experience through the losses and things that I've endured is that I just when you ignore them they get bigger and they get older and they get more like sewn into the fabric of you and then it's much harder to undo them so like if we could stop pretending everything's fine all the time and sit down and be like you know what i'm having a bad day i need space or i need to take a bath can you take the kids for an hour or you know um just i'm mad yeah. how often do we admit we're mad we're like i'm fine like we do that that face right it's like mm -hmm. oh i'm fine yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> right <laughs> so it's like if we could drop the i'm fine mm -hmm. and i think this moment in time is unfortunate and I, and I think this people are not feeling fine today today yesterday last week mm -hmm. the last two months 2020 the 21st century all of it i don't know it's we're not fine and and the only way we can become better is to like acknowledge so this topic hasn't been a lot about singing but i do think that singing is part of the puzzle for me at least it's very much part of the puzzle connecting to the voice and also just music the healing mm -hmm. that comes in music and and there will be some beautiful music that comes from this year i think i think we're gonna get a lot of beautiful art coming from this and that's the unfortunate truth of life is hard times spur incredible creativity but people have to get past the morning stage we can't create from guilt shame fear grief uh those anxiety those levels of existence don't foster creativity so that's my always my advice to singers and like the advice i give myself right now is like stop and feel it and like yesterday i said i need a i need to stop and feel my feelings i can't be here right now i can't be I can't support you if I can't support me. So if we could all adopt this, this put on your own oxygen mask first kind of um, ideology when we're caring for others, instead of just pouring ourselves out for other people all the time and start to fill up our cup first. And there's a lot of, I just use a lot of cheesy metaphors back to back, but <laughs> you get it, right? Like, yes. <laughs> like, let's slow down, America. Let's feel this. Let's look at it. Let's look, let's square it, square it up and say, you know, this isn't right. What can we do? And it's going to be a long road. I don't, these kinds of, these kinds of changes, they happen really abruptly and shockingly like they have been, but then they take a lot of time to mend and clean up. So I think that's where we are. Yeah. 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 I know. And, and I, I really, um, 
I think in the midst of all this answering my own question of what is the best thing that's come of this, um, I think that is for me. I am a, um, my whole life, I've been a worker, hustler, moving at a breakneck pace, you know, as, as long and as far as, you know, my body will take me. And this has forced me to stop and um, face things that have been neglected in my life. And I've had no other choice than to, you know, sit with a lot of feelings that, you know, I have avoided. And um, there are those truths of when you get into this business, um, you know, it, it takes its toll on your family too. Your family misses a ton of time with you. Um, so, you know, facing, um, my family and trying to, you know, reconstruct, you know, what our unit feels like together when we're with each other 24 seven, you know, it's a lot of work, but my God, I am, I just, I could not be more thankful for it, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot to come of it. Well, and I do think, like I kind of said earlier, I think worker bees are going to be worker bees. Like haters going to hate high achievers going to achieve. There's like, you're not going to change the nature of people by changing the circumstances. But I think what happened is that we started to see like the priorities, right? Like the family became into the forefront of the priority and say, okay, wow, I've been missing out on something because I've been running so much. I'm missing my, I'm missing watching my daughters grow up. I'm missing connecting with my husband. Um, I'm missing tending to my home or cooking or whatever it is. And like, I think a lot of people are feeling that domestic energy a little bit by force because we're at home all the time. Um, But, you know, for me, it was um, part-time jobs. Like I loved the jobs that I was doing. Um, And I've always been somebody that even through my singing career, I've almost always had some kind of a part-time job because I like to work. I met my very best friend in my life at my first job when I was 15 years old. We're still best friends. Like I've been working every day since I was 15 and I like to work. And in fact, I just did my human design chart and I am a generator, which means I am a worker. Like that's my nature. That's what I'm put here to do. According to that, like I will build things and structure things. And um, so I'm actually quite unhappy when I'm not working, Mm -hmm. but this has given me such perspective on the kind of work to do, right. And where the importance of my work lies and what, how much I can get done in a day. You guys, if you haven't noticed, um, and not everybody's in a space of productivity right now, and that's okay. A lot of people are, like I said, still kind of going through the stages of grief and shock. And, and certainly that's been reignited over the last couple of days. So even if you were kind of making your peace with the pandemic, um, this new shocking news has, has, backpedaled us, you know, back, but the, uh, the amount you can get done in a day when you're, when you have an intention and a focus and like you take away all that noise and the busyness because busyness is an addiction. Busyness is a thing that our culture, we grasp to, we, we cling to busyness. It's safe to be busy. We can't look at our problems, right? We can't slow down and look at our problems. So, so busyness is a coping mechanism just as much as smoking cigarettes. It's like just, it's, it's a lot maybe healthier in some ways, but maybe not, right? People have chronic stress, heart disease, all kinds of things, right? Overweight, the things that are symptoms of a stressful, busy life. So for me, it's like, I'm not really gonna stop working, but the clarity that's come around what kind of work to do and how to spend my time doing it has been a blessing. Like it's just been amazing because now I see something that I couldn't see before. So I think that's been a big theme is just uncovering things that we haven't been seeing.